Hey, good morning, folks. Hey, just to follow up on the knock-knock joke, if, if, you, if you weren't here last week, I did this knock-knock joke as part of the announcements, and uh, it was just mistimed. Um, and, and just, uh, you know, if you followed the Broncos last Sunday, they were playing Jacksonville, and we went up by a point with like 90 seconds left. We thought we had the game won, and then Jacksonville comes down, kicks a field goal to win it with no time on the clock. Not 10 seconds after the Broncos lose, I get a text that says, knock-knock. Um, from a, from a friend here, a former friend here at church. Uh, so, oh, gosh. You know, it, you know, Pastor Ike jokes about it like it's a funny thing for the Broncos to lose. We take it very seriously here. Oh, Hey, can I have you guys, um, we're going to jump into the gospel story this morning. Uh, it's from Luke's gospel. Um, Luke chapter 15, Matthew, Mark, Luke, the third gospel. Uh, one of my favorite stories. Um, Luke chapter 15 starting with the first verse. I'll let you guys get there. Luke chapter 15, often called the parable of the lost sheep. Luke chapter 15, the first verse. Now the tax collectors and the sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them, like it was the worst thing in the world. Then Jesus told this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. This is the gospel of the Lord. Um, you know, I've seen it on the back of Jeeps. I've seen it on T-shirts. It says, not all who wander are lost, but some of us, we do wander and we do get lost. And I, I want to fuss this morning with um, getting lost, if you will. Lost sheep, our tendency to be like sheep sometimes, about wandering away, about the good shepherd who pursues us, about God's love and grace for you and me. But but I want to switch gears a little bit from football to baseball, okay? Um, some of you guys know this. In major league, most Major League Baseball parks, when the home team is at, at the plate, as the player's walking up, there's a walk-up song. And I want to ask you guys, this is audience participation. If, if you had a walk-up song, what would it be? The home team comes up to the plate, um, and as he's like taking his practice swings, they play uh, a walk-up song. Um, and it's usually a song that one of the, the, the player's best favorite songs, a song that psychs him up, gets his adrenaline flowing. Uh, I'm going to share my walk-up song. And when we play this game, you can't criticize anybody's walk-up song. I mean, a walk-up song is somebody's walk-up song. It's personal. I mean, it's, it means something to the player. Okay, so you have to, audience participation, if you had a walk-up song, if you could choose your walk-up song, what would it be? You can't laugh. You have to say, like, okay, first song that pops into your head. What, what was that? Show me the way to, me the way to go home. Okay. <laughs> hey, 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 hey. I told you we can't criticize. Can't criticize another person's walk-up song. Um, show me the way to go home. Um, you know, I, I switched gears from football to baseball. At least the, the Rockies won a few games. Um, but walk-up song. If you had a walk-up song, a favorite song, and maybe I should have told some of you guys about this before ahead of time, but what would your walk-up song be? Jesus Loves Us. Um, what was the one over, what, um, Wayne, what was yours? Jesus 
We will, we will rock you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with that, okay? Um, but but this, this is my walk-up song. Um, and if you guys could, could play about this much of it. Can't criticize, can't criticize. I would dance, but it would ruin the whole thing. You guys are into it. Thank you, Brother Jew, for leading the claps back there. Um, but, you know, the, the, the first line of that song is, do you remember? And I, I want to back up into the gospel using that, that phrase. And that's if you're taking notes, do you remember? Remember is the blank. And I want to uh, start, um, before I go into the gospel story, I want to share another baseball story. And this is a Michael Iaconelli story. He's a, a great writer. He's gone on to be with Jesus right now. But he wrote a book called Messy Spirituality. God's um, annoying love for imperfect people like you and me, um, lost sheep kind of people. But this is a story, competitive baseball, 11 and 12-year-old baseball. This is kind of the baseball where the kids go to, eventually go to Williamsport, Pennsylvania. This happened, this story happened up in the northwest, up in the Washington, Washington State area. 11, 12-year-olds, this is the final game of a regional. Winner goes to the next round, loser goes home. Um, uh, close game. They play seven innings. This is the bottom of the seventh inning. The home team is down by a run. Bases loaded. Two outs. And little Carl gets up. Little white-knuckled Carl gets up. No walk-up song, but Carl is there. Carl's got a ton of people, family, in the stands. He's got his mom and dad there, grandma, grandpa, aunts and uncles, a brother and a sister. And they are all cheering Carl that maybe he can win the game, drive, drive home the winning run. Um, Carl gets up to the plate. First pitch right down the middle. Carl takes it, strike one. Crowd is still going crazy, still going crazy. Carl, you know, gets up, takes a step back out of the box, gets up back in the box. Next pitch right down the middle. He swings, misses, strike two. Crowd is still going nuts, especially his family. Carl, you got this. You can do this. You know, here's his mom and dad yelling for him. Um, Next pitch comes in high. Carl swings low, strike three. Winning team, winning team goes nuts. They throw their mitts and their hats in the air. And they, they celebrate. Carl's team walks off the field dejected, um, lost. Um, they, they visit with family a little bit, but most of Carl's team walks slowly, silently back to their cars. Um, Carl, still at the plate, he's dropped his bat, staring at the ground, shaking his head, feeling very much the loser. Feel like he's let his team down, let his family down, lost and alone, feeling very much the loser, capital L. And I know some of you folks have been there. Do you remember? Remember that time? Your gut hurts right now because you know what it feels like to be there. You've let folks down, you've let your family down, you've let your friends down. And I'm not just talking sports here, but in our relationships, our jobs our marriages, our bad choices, our struggles. Whatever it might be, maybe some of us are right there right now, lost and feeling very much the loser, capital L. Pastor Ike shared the message last week about the two kids that had branded on their head ST for sheep thief. This is an L, not branded on the outside, but branded on the inside. Loser, capital L. And then God's word, Jesus shares with us this story 
this parable about lost sheep. When we read this story or hear it, it's just a crazy story. And I always want to say stupid sheep for getting lost, but then stupid shepherd too for going after the lost sheep and leaving the 99. The text says, suppose one of you has 100 sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the sheep until he finds it? And I want to stop the storyteller right there and say, no, 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 no. It's just one sheep. And if I'm the shepherd, I'm not leaving 99 good sheep in the open country subject to bears and wolves and coyotes and the like to go look for one wandering, directionally challenged, stupid sheep, bad sheep. Nope, I'm not going to risk it. I'll take my 1% loss and move on. When I was first out of seminary 20-something years ago, I was a youth pastor. I was an old youth pastor, but I was a youth pastor. We took our kids on a trip. I was in Maryland. We took our kids on a work, a group work trip down in Virginia. We spent a week down there, had a great week, but on our way back, we had chartered a bus. We had like 50, 60 kids. We chartered this bus. We stopped at a truck stop, and I told the kids, hey, be back here in a half hour, or the bus is leaving. Half hour comes. We do the count off of the kids' I'm missing one kid. And, and if you've ever been on a work trip or like a youth trip, you know, at the end of the week, everybody's tired. Kids are tired. The, the, the adult leaders are tired. I was tired and cranky, and I'm thinking to myself, and, and I, I'm embarrassed to say this, but for a second I said, it's only one kid. Let's go. <laughs> I, I'm embarrassed. I, I even thought that. But we, we did finally get the kid, and we got him. But... Um, this is God's story, not my story. Um, and this is how God would handle it. This is God teaching us how to handle it. The shepherd seeks out the lost sheep, the text says, until he finds it. And then he doesn't get in the sheep's face and say, stupid sheep, stupid sheep, bad sheep. The good shepherd doesn't do any of that. In my mind's eye, I see the, I see the good shepherd calling the shepherd by name, Scripture says. And when he finally finds the sheep, I imagine the shepherd getting down on, on, on one knee and saying, I, I, I wasn't ever going to leave you for lost. I found you. I found you. I found you. I wasn't going to leave you lost. I found you. Then the shepherd picks up the sheep, holds the sheep tightly, I see in my mind's eye, and joyfully puts it on his shoulders. And the text says the shepherd took the sheep home, back to the house. In my mind's eye, the, the house, the shepherd's house has a rug and a fireplace and the shepherd's favorite chair, it's a recliner, and the sheep jumps right up into the shepherd's favorite chair. This dirty and smelly sheep, and in the world's eyes, stupid sheep, the sheep is taken home. Then I love this part of the story. Then the shepherd calls his friends and neighbors and throws a party, a welcome home party. And the story reminds us that God's ways are truly not our ways. John 3.16, that famous text, For God so loved the world, for God so loved stupid sheep like you and me, that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but will have eternal life. And John 3.17, the next text, maybe even more important, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, to punish the stupid sheep, but to save the world through him, to find the sheep, to seek out the sheep. I met Nathaniel this past Tuesday at around noon, right outside the front doors here. I'm not sure if Nathaniel was lost, but I would let later find out he was a long, long way from home. And he asked the ladies in the church office if he could meet with the pastor. 
And some of you guys know this. Tuesday around here, Tuesday morning at church is really crowded. We do a community Bible study, CBS for ladies. There's lots of folks here, lots of ladies, lots of kids. And a stranger comes to our door. And Mona, my admin partner, comes to my office and tells me there's a guy at the door. He's looking for a pastor, and he's got a baby in a stroller. I meet Nathaniel at the door, and he asks, he asks me if I'm a pastor. And, and, um, and I quote, you're a pastor? I mean, and there's so many ways you can say that. <laughs> you know, there's so many ways you can say, you're a pastor. Or, but, but his voice went way up, you're a pastor? And I, I said, well played. You know, I, I, my wife often thinks I dress like a well-fed homeless person. And... Uh, but I, after I proved to Nathaniel that I was a pastor, I had to show him my business card and my driver's license. I am a pastor. Um, I asked Nathaniel, how can I help him? Convinced he's going to ask me for money. Um, Nathaniel doesn't ask for money. He never asks me for money. He asks me to pray a prayer of protection over him and his baby. And his baby is not a baby baby. His baby is this little white fluffy poodle dog um, cute as anything, named Grace. Um, just outside the front door, I, I pray over Nathaniel. I pray over his little dog, Grace. And I forget what I prayed, but I'm sure I was thinking, dear Lord, watch over this knucklehead kid. Protect him and his little white dog, Grace. And after we prayed, I asked Nathaniel where he was heading. Where was he heading with his dog and his stroller full of everything that he owned, I was convinced. And he told me he was from Hobbs, New Mexico, and he had walked from Hobbs, New Mexico to Bozeman, Montana, and he was coming back home through Denver, back home to Hobbs. And he hoped to make Colorado Springs by, by Tuesday night. And all I could say in my pastoral way was, wow, wow, wow. Um, sometimes folks come to the front door of our church looking for a handout for food or for water, but mostly money. And sometimes they come to the front door because they are broken mentally. Somewhere along their line, their brain stopped working the way it's supposed to. God only knows. Sometimes folks come to the front door because they're cold and hungry and they have nowhere to go. Sometimes folks come to the front door because they're hurting or empty and desperate for some relief. Sometimes folks come to the front door and just wander in. They saw the lights on, the cars in the parking lot and think, this must, something must be happening here. Sometimes folks come to the front door, like Nathaniel and his dog Grace, they're just passing through, heading home after a long journey. We all come here looking for something, don't we? And I asked Nathaniel if he was hungry, and he said a little. I said, there's a burger place right around the corner. Can I buy you and Grace a burger? Reluctantly, he said yes. He said it's tough for him, it's a pride thing. And I said, Nathaniel, I have some of that too. We walk over to Culver's. Me and Nathaniel and his trailer of stuff and little dog Grace. Grace was not on a leash. Grace stayed right by Nathaniel's side. I learned along the way he was 21 years old. Tough upbringing, adopted as a kid. Finished high school, tried to join the army. Got booted out of, got in trouble, got booted out of boot camp. Got kicked out. Got a girl pregnant when he was 19. And that's why he walked to Bozeman to see his two-year-old little girl and her mom. They had moved up there from Hobbs. Uh, to Bozeman in July. My smartphone tells me it's 1,300 plus miles to Bozeman from Hobbs, New Mexico. 404 hours if you walk. Um, and that's a lot of walking. Nathaniel told me he left in August and has been on the road ever since. 
from the hot and dry deserts of Hobbs of New, Me- of New Mexico in August. Nathaniel told me he left Bozeman heading home before the snow came. And I bought Nathaniel a deluxe Culver's burger, a double with fries and a Coke. We ate outside because of the dog. And if you remember Tuesday, that's when the, the, the weather changed. It went from hot Sunday and Monday to, to cold and rainy and windy. We sat at the outside tables on wet seats and shared lunch. Nathaniel gave half of his burger to Grace, the dog. On Wednesday nights here at church, we, we have, we've been doing this pastoral care training class. And our homework this past week was to practice listening. Really, really listening. Intentional listening, listening, active listening. And as I was sitting with Nathaniel on a wet seat in the cold with the wind blowing, it was really hard for me to really listen to Nathaniel. I, I, I was thinking I would be a much better listener inside of Culver's than outside. But if you think about it, listening, really listening to someone is hard. Trying not to judge, trying not to fix, trying not to help or interject your own story. It's tough to really, really listen to someone. We have to work at it, practice it. Mary Ellen Blatchford, some of you guys know, has been our facilitator, our pastoral care class facilitator, and she's been reminding us that when we really listen to someone, we acknowledge, um, we acknowledge to that person that we care, that what they say is of value, and when we really listen to someone, we love them. We actually love them. And Mary Ellen has given us this love acronym for listening, the L, listen, the O, with openness, the V, validate with empathy. If you're taking notes, it's the acrostic. Listen with openness. Validate with empathy. Mary Ellen told us she got this and some other tips from her therapist and paid 150 bucks for it. She gave it to our class for free. I'm giving it to you guys for free. As I'm sitting with Nathaniel in the cold and the wind on a wet seat, I'm trying to love on Nathaniel, trying to listen to him with openness, not trying to judge or fix or interject my story, trying to validate him with empathy, trying not to shake my head in sympathy or pity. The best I could do as I listened to Nathaniel's story and his journey was say over and over again, wow, wow, wow. While we were finishing up, Nathaniel takes off his jacket and makes this little cave for his dog Grace to lie in to protect her from the cold. I said, wow. I told Nathaniel I had to go back to church told him it was nice meeting him. And when I said goodbye to Nathaniel, he said, God bless you, Pastor Joe. Then he said something about wishing angels for my, in my path. I said, wow. Some of you guys know this. When I pray for folks, oftentimes I will pray that there be angels in your path. So that whatever we're facing, you won't be so frightened, won't be so scared. And the angels I pray for are often folks that look like you and me. They're a kind and caring receptionist at a hospital as you check in, or a, person at, a checkout person at Walmart takes her money with a smile and a corny knock-knock joke. I once asked some seventh and eighth graders, why, in this story, why did the good shepherd, why did the good shepherd go after that sheep, after the wandering sheep, the stupid sheep, and leave the other 99 behind? And I, I love their answers. One of the kids said, because that sheep meant something to the shepherd, because they were family, because that sheep was loved. And I love those answers. Who are the people that come to our church's door? I think in some way they're all looking for the shepherd. 
They're all looking for Jesus or someone to be Jesus to them. The same thing you and I are looking for. From Isaiah 53, 6, we are reminded we all, we all, that's the key word, we all like sheep have gone astray, each of us to his or her own way. And then from St. Paul in Romans, for all, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All, again, is the key word. All of us, St. Paul, the prophet Isaiah, Mother Teresa, you and me, we are all sinners, broken folks, wandering folks, lost sheep kind of folks, knuckleheads, all of us. As I was walking back to Culver's, I was wondering if, if I was helping Nathaniel, or was Nathaniel helping me? Had God sent me to help Nathaniel, or had God sent Nathaniel to help me? Maybe a bit of both. been in a bit of a funk lately. Funk, F-U-N-K, not the other word. Um, nothing, nothing dramatic, but down in the dumps. Not myself struggling, feeling, feeling lost, if you will, inadequate, tired mostly. And I had a couple of dear friends reach out to me, phone calls and texts, and I went dark. I didn't call or text them back. It's easy for us, for me, to wander away sometimes, to get lost in my own stuff, my own head. Nathaniel's little dog that, that looked a whole lot like a little sheep named Grace reminded me that Grace comes in all sizes and shapes. And hanging out with Nathaniel this past Tuesday helped me somehow. Walking with someone who was struggling a bit, way more than me for sure, the heaviness that was on, that I felt on my shoulders, the heaviness the clouds on my head and my heart, they started to part some. We all get lost sometimes, don't we? we? We wander, we need help, we need the good shepherd, we need each other. And I believe in all my heart that when we do church close to being right, we need to be able and willing to step up for the good shepherd. To be Jesus with skin on when the lost sheep wander in our paths. God asks us to step up. Do you love me? Do you really love me? Do you really, really love me? Feed my lambs. Take care of my sheep, feed my sheep. Be it in a bar or a football game, we're in the middle of our busy lives. Jesus says, feed my lambs. And somehow when we step up and feed the lambs, we too are blessed. I forget who said it, but I believe it's so true. When it's all said and done, when it's all said and done, we're all just walking each other home. When it's all said and done, we're all just walking each other home. Walking with each other, listening to each other, really listening loving on each other all the way home. And Jesus, I believe, is sharing this lost sheep story in part because the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, the pastors, the pastor types in Jesus' day are grumbling about Jesus hanging out with the tax collectors and sinners, folks that look a lot like you and me. Thank you, Jesus. And the Pharisees and the teachers of the law are all, I'm, I'm convinced, are all pretty good people. But pretty good people, I believe, don't need Jesus. Broken, lost people need Jesus. Folks who know they're broken and lost a long way from home need Jesus. I need Jesus. Jesus ends this parable, this story of the lost sheep, with the image of a celebration, a party in heaven. Jesus is telling us whenever one of us knucklehead sheep stops, whenever you or I stop and walk 
when we're, we stop walking away from the shepherd and turn back towards him, there's a party in heaven. And I want to end this message with one more walk-up song. Remember, you can't knock it. Can't knock it. Um, it's a song about a journey. It's called Walking in Memphis. It is one of my all-time favorite songs. And I'm going to ask you, if you can, if you will, we'll play this song for a minute or so. And I ask you while the song is playing, not focus on the words, while the song is playing, to fuss with where you are on your faith journey. Are you walking away from the Good Shepherd? Are you walking towards Him? Are you drawing closer to God or, or letting your faith go stagnant or slip away? Are you a pretty good person who doesn't really need this Jesus? Or are, you, are we willing to acknowledge our brokenness, our lostness, our need for the Good Shepherd, for the Savior? At the end of the song, I'm going to ask you, if, if, if you can, if you're able, to pray with me a prayer of confession. It's from the Book of Common Prayer, a prayer of repentance, a turning back towards God. This has been a prayer in churches for a long, long time. It's written out in your bulletin, but it will be on the screen as well. Pastor Ike shared in his message a couple of weeks ago, he shared that um, this prayer of confession, it really should be prayed at the beginning of the day before we start to do stupid things, knucklehead things, because it talks about our need for God's grace. And Pastor Ike shared, if we acknowledge our need for God's grace in the beginning of the day, maybe we can extend it to someone who needs it along the way, to the wandering sheep that come into our path. Before we play this song, just be thinking as the song plays, where are you on your faith journey? If you guys could play this. Walking in Memphis by Mark Cohn. shoes and I boarded the plane touched down in the land of the Delta Blues in the middle of the pouring rain WC handy won't you look down over me yeah I got a first class ticket but I'm as blue as a boy can be then I'm walking in Memphis Walking with my feet ten feet off a beam Walking in Memphis But do I really feel the way I feel If you guys could, um, let's pray this prayer of confession together. From God's word it says, If, if we say we have no sin, we deceive, our, deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Lord, we come to you right now with open hearts, acknowledging our brokenness. We come to you together and we pray this prayer of confession. If you would pray with me. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbor as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent sake of your son Jesus Christ have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name amen if you guys would just bow your heads let me pray us out and into communion heavenly father um, we just come before you and lord we have a tendency um, 
to wander away, all kinds of reasons. You know the reasons, Lord. Lord, help us to, to look back towards you. Help us to recommit to you. Lord, just thanks for loving us. So thanks for coming after us when we get all wrapped up around the axle, our heads and our hearts, and thanks for calling us home. Thank you, Lord. It's in your name, Jesus, and all God's people said, amen, amen. I'm going to ask.